This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait. Belief started in the fourth grade. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude. And I had this nagging feeling. A great belief system. I was capable of so much more. And action every single day. In all the pursuits that we have in our lives, I think there's an element of suffering. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision. Never give up on yourself. That's when greatness happens. The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, founder and CEO of Visionary Wealth Advisors as well. I'm excited today. I've been really pumped up for this uh, for this episode with Dave Hollis. Dave, how you doing today? I am doing well, Brett. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, uh, man, I'm excited to dive into your career. For those that may not know who Dave Hollis is, he, is, uh, he was the president of distribution for uh, the Walt Disney Company. Man, you had a major role there. I did have some fun at the Walt Disney Company. I cannot imagine. That's uh, is it really the happiest place on earth? Even when you work there? Well, I left in part because of a pursuit of happier things. So yep. it is definitely a happy place. But um, I don't know. That's the happiest place on earth. <laughs> happiest place is what you're doing right now, right? That is exactly right. Well, those uh, those for those listeners that may not know who Dave Hollis is, Dave, won't you give us maybe a little snapshot of what's made you the man you are today? Right on. Uh, so my name's Dave Hollis. I l- live. Can you hear those chimes happening in the background, or is that just me? Because I want. I make cannot sure. hear it. All right, I'm going to start over. Uh, so my name's Dave Hollis, and I live now, currently, in Austin, Texas, with my family. I'm going to start with my family. They're uh, the most important thing going on in my life. I'm married to a woman named Rachel Hollis, who is. Uh, my best friend and wife, but also my business partner in the thing that we are now pursuing together at a company that we've created called The Hollis Company. Uh, I have four kids, which is like a thousand kids, uh, ages yep. 11 to just uh, south of two. And uh, we are six months into having relocated our lives to this city for this purpose, uh, which is to try and put tools into the hands of people that if they were to use them, would give them a way to make their life better forever. And so uh, I will stop and let you ask a question because I'm the kind of guy that will talk literally forever. And that's not how podcasts work. (laughs) That's all right, man. You got a lot to share. So I'm excited for that. So I want to talk about, I saw a video last night and I was doing my research on you that you talked about this whole self-development, self-growth type stuff was a little, uh, little out there to say the least, right? And so, but then you became what I would call a believer. And, and so walk, walk our listeners through that. They may listen to this stuff and say, gosh, this Brett guy every week, all these positive people, you know, my mission in life is to help people see a future greater than their past. And uh, not everybody believes that stuff from day one. So walk us through that progression for you. Yeah. So I, uh, as you mentioned at the top, worked at the Walt Disney Company for 17 years. I, for eight or so years prior to that, worked in other jobs in Hollywood, at Fox, at an agency, did some different things with talent. I uh, only knew working inside of this entertainment business and uh, was a product prior to that of having lived for many years with a fixed mindset that I was born with a certain number of innate skills, that those skills could be applied in certain ways in certain environments. And I did pretty well progressing through a life that let me go from job to job using those skills that I had. But I got to a point where 
the ceiling existed in the use of the potential that had been bestowed upon me that left me in the fulfillment category under fulfilled for not feeling like I was totally using uh, the gifts that I'd been given. And that was at a time when I was running running distribution, when I was doing uh, a job that from the outside uh, was something that people thought, man, that's a pretty great thing. You're selling movies to theaters and not just any movies, the movies from Marvel and Lucas, Pixar, Disney and Disney Animation, some pretty great movies from the most prolific producers of film on the planet. Uh, and I found myself in that job because it wasn't that hard to convince a movie theater to take a Star Wars movie, uh, not feeling that challenged. And at the same time, my wife had tapped into the importance of always growing. Uh, there is this unbelievable connection between growth and fulfillment. And since I'd stopped growing, I hadn't needed to try as hard as I maybe had to earlier in my career, that stopping of growth equated to a, a stopping of fulfillment. And so she, realizing that you got to always grow to be fulfilled, that growth happens outside of your comfort zone, was pushing herself into situations where she didn't know the answer, where she could learn from someone who was further along in a journey. And in having done so, uh, she found that personal development, whether it was books, podcasts, or conferences, uh, were a vehicle to challenging her to open her eyes to what might ultimately also be possible for her in life. And so I, in the midst of trying to figure out how to get out of a funk of unfulfilledness, uh, begrudgingly came along to a personal development conference with her when I needed to figure out how to unlock fulfillment. Hmm. And would you say you were, I mean, I guess to use the word, not even maybe content, but just, you know, you had a good job, probably making great money. Uh, like you said, from the exterior, it probably looks like a dream job, but yet you weren't fully satisfied. And I know for me in my same industry, but previous uh, firm career, it's like as, as you climb the income ladder, you may not necessarily be climbing the fulfillment ladder with it, right? For sure. I, I had the strange coming together of a few things at the same time. I was going from my 30s to 40s. And in that transition was asking different questions about purpose, about what I was on this planet for and why, um, why I was here. I had kids that were becoming old enough to ask more provocative questions about my happiness or my purpose or and uh, one of them one day asked a you know pretty innocent question that provoked a pretty chilling response and it was about what we are most afraid of what are you most afraid of dad and my answer uh, that just fell right out of my mouth was not fully using my potential and the thing that was most tethered to my satisfaction or dissatisfaction at work my fulfillment or unfulfillment the way that i was growing or not growing was this reality that I was in an environment because of the strength of the team and how great the company was, how supportive the senior executives were, how strong the brands were, that I didn't have to work as hard to do well on the test. I didn't have to study to do well on the test. And so uh, when I had that recognition at the same point in time where I'm transitioning from 30s to 40s and asking these big existential, why, uh, God, am I on this planet? Uh, it required massive action. I had to do something because I, was, I wasn't even treading water. I wasn't like just 
becoming okay with being okay. I was regressing into a more mediocre version of myself that I was unhappy with because I wasn't showing up as the kind of husband my wife deserves, or the kind of father my kids deserve. And I wanted to get back to that place and needed to wholesale change life and change where I could pour my passion into so that I, in finding myself in uncomfortable places, could start growing again and out of that growth become more fulfilled. But how do you do that though? Because it's easy to say that now because, you know, and, and you're only six months in, but it's easier to say it now probably than the the three and four and five and six months leading up to that. Again, good job. I mean, it's just a great career, income, all that stuff. But it's like, how do we bust through our comfort zone for our listeners that are out there maybe thinking the exact same thing? They're successful on the outside, but maybe not on the inside. How do you break through that comfort zone? Well, the first thing you have to do uh, and it is way easier said than done, but hindsight has been uh, very instructive for me, is let go of the worry of what other people may think of you making a decision that challenges their convention. Like I was making a choice to walk away from a job that was the envy of other people or that from you know outside optics was the dream job. So I delayed making a choice about doing something that made more sense to me because of it not making as much sense to other people. And on the now six, seven months removed from having left this great company and this, these great teams that I was able to work with for 17 years, uh, we had an amazing run. And I gave a lot of weight to their opinion. And they have not thought much about me since I've been gone. And that is very much human nature. We all, I think, individual as individuals are worried about what other people think. And the headline, if this like in any way gives permission to let go of these chains, uh, people aren't thinking about you. Uh, If there's a vanity and like wanting to believe that everyone's always worried about us and they're not, they're worried about themselves. So the first thing I would say is if the thing that holds you back from chasing the thing that you have passion for or a dream about is the worry of what someone else might think, they're not thinking about you. Yeah. So I, mean, I read something uh, one time that said, you'd be greatly disappointed if you actually realized or knew how much people thought about you. <laughs> oh, yeah, for you sure. Know? Now, by the way, when you can sit in it, I mean, I feel so grateful for the ability to reflect now on how much weight I gave it before and how little it actually existed after, because now I get to ask a bigger or better set of questions when I start to create anxiety about a thing that I haven't totally confirmed is real. And, mm. and right? So like I had this thing that was holding me back. It actually was disproved. And in the having had it disproved, it now forces me to ask better questions about whether or not the thing that I'm worrying about in today's business struggle in the vulnerability model that we are trying to uh, bizarrely walk through inside of how we make our lives a little more uh, transparently available to the audience. I get you know, uncomfortable in a lot of the things that we do. I got to ask myself, is this discomfort real or imagined? Does it like, does it actually maybe help people to do things that make me uncomfortable? And if that's the case, then it's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. You're listening to the circuit of success with Brett Gilliland. Stay with us. We're back to the circuit of success. I am Brett Gilliland. I am your host and we are joined every single week with great guests who uh, really open up and let us listen in to their world and what it takes to be successful. And they talk about the circuits of attitude, beliefs, 
and action to ultimately get results that's helped them in their life become very successful in whatever that endeavor is. When you think about uh, transparency, vulnerability, when you hear those two words, I'm, I'm a big believer in those two things. I, I when I you know I watch your guys' stuff and and love what you guys are putting out there, helping tons of people. Transparency, vulnerability, you two are doing that, right? But uh, again, advice for listeners: it's not easy to be vulnerable all the time. I'm sure that's it's become a little easier as you've done it. The more you do it, the, the easier it becomes, right? So, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, it is the cornerstone of our business model and our business is growing unbelievably faster than we could have ever imagined. Uh, You know, my wife has written this book, Girl, Wash Your Face. It has sold two and a half million copies since it was released in February of last year. Uh, Her next book comes out in March. It's currently charting as the 20 best best selling book on Amazon and it doesn't release for uh, a couple of months. Uh, it, It is a reflection of her willingness to talk openly, candidly, and unapologetically about the things that universally humans feel. And in doing that, it gives permission for other people to feel those things. And in that permission, connect with her, us, and our business in a way that uh, actually allows them to make the kind of change that we'd hope for in their lives. So uh, as much as there may have been some discomfort, like we've got this podcast that we do called Rise Together. It's a relationship podcast. We are honestly and sometimes awkwardly stumbling through conversations about very, very private things. But when we have a conversation that touches on intimacy, when we have a conversation that touches on how we fight, when we have those conversations open up the possibility that someone else who's silently struggling with that same thing can now have a conversation because of our having gone first acting as a catalyst. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's absolutely true too. I have four children myself. And again, in preparation for last night, I saw a video you guys did and you were kind of giving it to your wife from a video standpoint. She was upset. She didn't want to be on camera, but you guys were still laughing about it. But then she was talking about, you know, you know, you sometimes just get tired of parenting, right? They don't, they keep coming in the room. There's all the things. And I think until you hear other people talk about that stuff, you just feel like you're on an island by yourself and you're the only one that deals with the, you know, I need one more glass of water. I need one more time to tell you, you know, I love you after the hundredth time. And, and while that's great and fine and all, but it does get tough, right? And you feel like you're doing it alone. Yeah, I, there, there's... There's enough division in the world today that in, a, in an interesting way, um, against the backdrop of division, against the backdrop of uh, an unbelievably curated social media environment where people are like, very carefully selecting the version of their life that they are putting up on display, the disruptiveness of being really honest about just how things actually are for all of us. Uh, is a vehicle for creating community that doesn't discriminate on who you are, how you are, what you vote, who you look like, whether you have kids or don't. Like everybody feels the same things. Everyone's in a you know in a, some kind of a pursuit for being loved and seen. Everybody struggles with insecurity. And as parents, there are universal things. Everybody's trying to figure out how best to deal with what ends up being, and I'm sure both of our cases, four kids that are totally different. Like we had a conversation just yesterday with this guy who wrote 
the five love languages. It was a great conversation in part because uh, kids also end up having them. And I had my mind blown by this idea that my kids all actually need and show love in completely different ways. A thing that, of course, I should have already been thoughtful of, but here I am, 11 years into being a dad. Yesterday was the first day I thought about it. I'm still learning on the job, as every parent is, but no one wants to admit that it's a learning on a job kind of thing. Right. Yeah, we have a couple guys in our firm getting ready to have babies, their first ones. I said, guys, this is the best job in the world, the hardest job in the world, and it comes with no rule book. You, just, you learn as you go, man. 100%. I tell them too, if you know, you're know you worried about, uh, especially for first-time parents, like, how do I do it? You do it your way, right? Yeah. Like, you can't, there's no book. What to expect when, expect, what, when you're expecting is, a, you know, like, yeah, sure, a way to understand the like biology of what a small human is and looks like. But uh, you, your, your style of parenting, it's going to be the only kind they've ever known. Your like getting it right or not getting it right is again going to be a reflection of how much weight you give to the opinions of people like your mother-in-law. Because when you feel like you're not getting it right as a parent, it's usually a reflection of some kind of shame that's showing up because of your letting someone else's judging your parenting influence how you're parenting. I could go that's on right. on that that that's side right. tangent forever. But so let's talk about fears for a second. And and I'm sure there's been lots of fears from a from a movie release to a movie sale, trying to get the sale, to leaving your career, to launching this deal and just going all out with your wife and and following your passions here. But of the fears you've put in your mind, uh, Dave, how many of those fears have actually come true to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be? None of them. I mean, and that's, uh, yeah. And I think that's, you know, just basic human nature. You, you create, you know, and maybe it's not a worst case scenario, but, a, a, you know, a not as good as what is most likely case scenario in your mind. And that acts as a governor. By the way, I think it's like, we've got cavemen brains in part that were built around the idea of protecting us, right? So the fears that we have are a lot of times about just keeping us safe. But again, growth doesn't happen inside of your comfort zone. You're never going to be fulfilled if you don't push yourself past your fear. And a lot of the fear is about failure. And so the, the, the best way to kind of get away from fear, even being a part of your life, is to change your perspective on failure. Because hmm. once I saw that I had lived in an environment where failure was not an option, like truly, as much as, yep, I could make a mistake, uh, when you had the slate of films that I had for the last seven years of time that I worked at the Walt Disney Company, I was not in a position to fail. And that had nothing to do with me. Well, it's also public when you fail, right? On a Disney, I mean, that's going headlines and major news sources. It, it was, but on, on a portfolio basis, there was just too much good. So you could have a bad weekend and it'd be made up a month later by something that was great. The, 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 the biggest thing that drove me into this new environment was the opportunity to step into a role where I could fail. I don't have any intention of this endeavor with my wife to not work out. I don't think that there's a high chance that we're going to fail on the whole, but I am 100% certain that there's going to be stuff that I fail at on an every single day basis because I don't know this world that I've just stepped into. She spent 15 years building this company. I came in six months ago and 
you know, man, good timing, super excited for it. But when it comes to the community that she's created, the books that she's written, this is her seventh book, the events that she throws where she fills, you know, five or 7,000 person stadiums and cheers them into believing in themselves. When she launches a clothing line at QVC here in April, those are things that are not a part of my core competencies, which is why I'm here, which is what I get a, get up and get excited about. But I also have right. to be, you know, in a posture of humility to recognize with a team of people who surround me that know more about the things that we're doing, that I'm not leading the conversation as much as I uh, need to be a listener. And as I get the experience, you know, lean in and, and give direction. So talk to us about branding. Uh, again, I don't need, mean to keep going back to Disney and then the stuff you guys are doing today, but here the branding of a, a when I say brand new, no, nobody's brand new overnight. So I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but a newer company than say a Disney company. What are you learning about the brand you used to represent that's massive to a new brand that you guys are out building and absolutely crushing it with? Well, I had one opportunity uh, before he passed away. I, we, we were in uh, Los Angeles at a theater. Steve Jobs came, spoke to our sales team. And wow. he talked about the idea of uh, every experience that your customer has with your product is either a brand deposit or a brand withdrawal. And the longer amount of time that you have experiences where you are having a positive brand experience, you're adding equity to your brand. And if you make a mistake, you cut corners on quality, you don't think about what the consumer needs, withdrawal, withdrawal, withdrawal. It's why when you've got companies like Marvel or Lucas or Pixar or Disney, and they've had more consistency with positive experiences with consumers, they have brands that mean something. Uh, they have brands that mean something in some ways that uh, assure a certain level of quality. In other ways, they assure what you won't get, right? Like there may be, when you hear the word Disney, a recognition for family that you say, oh, you know what? I don't know exactly what this is, but I know it's okay for me to bring my kids of a certain age. As we think about the Hollis Company or my wife, Rachel, as a, as a brand, I know she's a human, but you know we're positioning her as a brand sure. as well. Um, we're considerate of the 15 years of community building that she's done as what was previously uh, an event planning business that turned into a blog called The Chic Site that turned into a media company called Chic Media that now is The Hollis Company. And the consistency that she was considerate of hearing the needs of the community and delivering value so that in every transaction with the consumer, it was a deposit, has created a, 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 an affinity that exists between us and this community. Now, we as a mission, are focused on delivering tools. Yeah, we want to make money. It's a business. But our business is successful when we are most attuned to the needs of the audience and deliver them a tool that legitimately is interested in helping them improve their life. Yeah, that I think value. That's a tool that we would use ourselves, right? Yep. And you talk about value add. I mean, I think about so many people today in the business world, in my opinion, they focus on how much am I going to get paid for this, right? Tell our listeners what you guys do every morning, eight o'clock central, and remind me how much I pay for that when I was, you know, going through the car wash this morning and watching yeah. you, you're by your side or you're by yourself, Rachel's traveling. How much did I have to pay for that and got extreme value? 
Yeah, so we, uh, a while back, right when we were jumping into doing this together, decided to do a daily live stream. Uh, it's, for the last four months, been a morning show, which is a, it's a, it's a weird thing. Hey, we're just going to have the audacity to call our shot, ha- have people show up at 8 a.m. Central on Rachel's Instagram or Facebook feeds, and for 30 to 40 minutes, have a mix of real talk between a married couple, some funny stories of either what we've been up to as grown-up humans or the you know lives of the people that live in our house, and then 15 or so minutes of trying to encourage you to reach for a better version of your life. Uh, it's usually editorially themed. We came out of having done the last 90-day challenge about finishing the last three months of the year as, as well as you might normally start a year. Um, and that is free content. It is 30 to 40 minutes each day, every single weekday for the last four months for free. And the hope is that, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk has, uh, whether it's, I don't remember if it's a book, but like jab, 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 right hook. Like we're, we're jab, 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 right hook. Because truly, we're trying to build a community that appreciates the sincerity of when we say we're here to try and put tools in your hands, we mean it. It's also easier, by the way, to pivot to, hey, we think we have a tool that you'll you'll like. And um, it actually has a cost because there's a cost for our business to create it. We have overhead, you know, by supporting the the cost of this, you're helping the 25 families of people that work at the company. and if you're interested in it, great. Here it is. And if you're not interested, also great. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. for a free hangout session where we'll yeah. hopefully still be able to pour into you. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's talk about when I say this saying, uh, you can have comfort and you can have uh, courage, but you can't have both at the same time. How's that hit you? You can have comfort and you can have courage, but you can't have both at the same time. Uh yeah, I mean, I think what I what what my initial response is that courage is something that gets activated when you are outside of your comfort zone, right? Like mm. you don't need to have courage necessarily if you feel totally comfortable. Um, right. And so, like refining that courage or having it tested so that you know that it exists, so that it creates confidence, so that you can use it the next time that you need it. Uh, those are all things that happen when you're uncomfortable. Uh, and it's part of why, again, if you want to grow, get out of your comfort zone. If you want to uh, feel a sense of fulfillment, find a way to have growth as an every single day part of your life. And if you are comfortable and not needing to use courage, you're just not going to get there. So talk to us about your daily habits. What is Dave Hollis's no miss moments? I got to do this every single day without fail. Well, it starts for us on Sunday night. It's not daily. It's weekly. But we are crazy about front loading our life uh, with four kids, with very busy work schedules, a lot of travel and multiple initiatives for the business that pull us in and out of um, regularly scheduled programming. We have to sit down, Rachel and I, and make sure that we are very clear about who's doing what on each day. When we are uh, identifying times for us each to work out, health for us, uh, if we're not healthy, if we're not considerate of um, getting to the gym, eating the right things, uh, none of the rest of it gets to show up. So uh, we're really crazy about when are we each going to the gym every day? 
we meal plan the entire week. We identify which of the kids need to be picked up from where and who between us or the babysitter is going to take care of those things. Uh, and then it, our week starts. And so our routine starts every single morning at 5 a.m. Uh, the alarm sometimes gets us up, but for the most part, we are just, we're up and one of us goes to the gym at five. The other of us goes to the gym at 6.30. We alternate days. The one who's at the gym uh, gets back with the other parent having got the kids out of bed and uh, the baton is passed. Now, it's if I've gone at five, it's my job to get the kids fed, finish getting them ready for school and get them to school. I get back mm. to the office just before the live stream starts. We go from 8 to 8.30, 8.40, and then uh, we head into the office. And uh, the everyday here is a cornucopia of stuff. There's not one single day that is the same, which is part of why it's exciting. We had a movie go into theaters the first two weeks of January. We recorded uh, our live event and, and put it into theaters as a documentary. We then almost immediately had Rachel's live coaching series launch on January 15th. We then almost immediately announced that the next live event is coming out in July and those tickets are going on sale. And as soon as we get into February, that documentary that we put in theaters comes out and streaming. So when I get in the office, it's like, all right, I'm going to pivot from the media team who's working on books or the movie to the apparel team or the journals team who's working on our products business or to the live events team. And um, it's part of what makes it exciting because there's something new and different every single day. That is exciting. That fires me up. So how important is that fitness and eating in your life uh, today? Has it always been that way? How, if not, how did you create the habit just to, to, to do it every single day? It was definitely not a big part of my life uh, you know, until the last couple of years, last three or four years, actually. Um, we, we're just now, I don't know when this will air, but <laughs> that 10-year challenge is just I now saw that picture. I thought time, that was right? awesome, by the way. Cir circulating the internet. Like Rachel put up this picture of us from 10 years ago. I don't recognize those people, right? Like we uh, leaned back a little bit on metabolisms that work differently and just didn't appreciate that if you didn't take care of yourself, if you didn't go to the gym, if you didn't um, have a little bit of a consideration for moving your body that um, you just wouldn't feel as good. And we didn't yeah. feel as good. And so, uh, you know, a power plant creates energy. And, and even though there are plenty of days when five o'clock comes and I'm like, you know what, my legs are sore. I ran too much yesterday. You, you got to go anyway, because going to the gym is what actually creates energy. You don't have to go to the gym. You don't have money to go to the gym. Run around your house. You can go to the library, get a, a free video that you could put on in, in your house and do it in your living room. But uh, creating energy for our day, starting our day in that way, having the shake that we have when you get home from the gym every day, yeah. um, it's just part of having a morning routine is really important. One of the things I didn't mention, like we start each day too with uh, a really deliberate pra practice around uh, gratitude, and intentional goal setting. I, we have a journal, so it's partially, you know, I'm biased in thinking it's an amazing way to start your day. But sure. I, I really would encourage people, um, if you are focusing on what you are grateful for at the beginning of a day, you will spend more of your day seeing the things that you are grateful for in your day. If you spend the morning focusing on the things that you need to try and be in the world to be successful in achieving what it is that you want to be, 
you are more likely on an unconscious level to just show up in the world in that way if you are really, really specific about the one thing that you want to try and accomplish in the day, you're going to hold yourself more accountable for having started your day focusing on it than if you were to hope that you figure it out. You can't hope for it. You got to plan for it. Hope uh, we've got water bottles all, all over the place here. Hope is not a strategy. You can't hope that you're going to eat well. You can't hope that you're going to show up well. You have to plan for how you're going to show up well and then do it. You're listening to The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland. It's been awesome so far in this interview. We're going to dive right back in, and we're going to dive into the attitude, the beliefs, the action that ultimately gets results. So let's dive right back into this week's guest. So let's talk about success and uh, how does Dave Hollis define success today? Impact, uh, 100%. Our our mission here, any goals that we have as a team, uh, we have this um, <laughs> this thing that we've done with bottles of champagne that people have brought to holiday parties of ours over the years. We put a little sticky tape on the outside and write uh, a thing that is impact oriented on the side, so that once we hit that uh, target, we get to open that bottle of champagne and celebrate that impact. So the ones that we have in our, our little mini fridge right now, one is that we're going to employ, uh, create a hundred jobs. We're going to create a hundred jobs here at our company, have a hundred families positively affected by our mission to go out and do good work. Uh, that we're going to have a hundred thousand people experience one of our live events. They are, uh, I, I am wildly biased, but my wife's ability to coach in that environment is second to none. And the people who've experienced these three-day live events have had a transformational experience. 100,000 people who leave an experience go back to their community as leaders and start acting as a catalyst for change in their own community. So like, th- those are two of uh, – we've got a whole bunch of them um, – I like and that it's, idea. It's, it's I'm great steal to, that idea, right? And the, and the thing is, those are that's big. We're a company of twenty five. When I moved here in June, we were a comp- we were a company of seven. So we are scaling quick, which is exciting. I need an HR person, but um, the idea of getting to a hundred feels scary, and it's supposed to. But man, that champagne's going to feel great. Rachel had on the side of a bottle from nine years ago. I am a New York Times bestseller. We moved. Uh. Four times. We moved that bottle four times from a fridge to another fridge to another fridge to another fridge. And it was, you know, her book came out, right? Her her book came out in February. It didn't even hit the list at first. It took months for it to kind of hit its stride. And man, that was the sweetest tasting champagne because it was nine years in the making. So that book, I mean, it obviously has put you guys on the map, right? And I mean, from TV, I mean, big time TV to big time sales to Reese Witherspoon putting it on Instagram all the time. I mean, that's big time stuff, but that doesn't just happen. And I think some people are like, oh, she's probably this newcomer to the show, right? Well, she's had, would you say seven books? So I'm assuming that was number six. And uh, But how does that happen to where it goes from book one, two, three, five, and then number six? hits it and has just become massively big. What do you think that, what's that secret sauce? I'm using air quotes because I know there's no secret sauce, but what do you think happened there? Well, 
her books, the content she's created as a part of this business have been a reflection of her growing into the woman that she's become. And the book was really written at this time where she was realizing that she could chase solutions for the things that were holding her back. Uh, the book, if you're not familiar, is 20 Lies That She Used to Believe That Kept Her From Becoming the Best Version of Herself as a yep. Mom, as a, as a Wife, as a Person you know, Just Contributing in Society. And um, those things also, because of the community that she'd created over the course of these 15 years, were the repeating themes of this online community that had come along this journey with her. So I, I think part of why this worked was it just happened over a long period of time where she was in regular conversation with everyday people who were comfortable after a certain amount of time to reveal that they also were struggling with these things. And mm. when it started to get in the hands of people who were willing to, inside of this community, share that they too, now they had permission. Hey, you know, I also have struggled with the lie that I'm defined by my weight. I've also struggled with the lie that I need a drink. I've also struck, right? And their willingness, because of the permission almost granted in the book, to share and talk about it, it then all of a sudden connected with somebody else. So, you know what? I struggle with that, maybe that book's for me too. And so it just became a snowball of community endorsement that uh, has just, you know, had it take off. And, um, and I got to say, I, I, I will actively shout the, the next book is called Girls, Girl Stop Apologizing. It comes out March 12th. It is the most important thing she's ever done. It's the thing I'm proudest of as the father of our daughter, Noah, who turns two, you know, two weeks after two weeks before the book comes wow. out that my daughter will one day realize that she was raised by the woman who wrote this book. It is honestly, it makes me want to cry a little bit, just even talking about it because it is um, it's such an important, important conversation. The idea of um, not allowing yourself to fully live into who you are and what you were created to be because of a worry that it could inconvenience the people in your life, that it could challenge the gender norms that exist in society, that it might make your mother-in-law uncomfortable or have you judged by the other moms in the PTA. Uh, it's, um, it's it's such a um, it's such a great piece of work, but I think it's also just because of everything else that's happening in the universe. Very very timely zeitgeist wise. I love it. So what's the vision now? What's the vision for the Hollis Company long term? More impact. Uh, I you know I'm uh, in the middle of uh, writing my first book, which I got to say, uh, having Rachel as a coach on how to write has been uh, unbelievably helpful and does not make it less difficult. It is a it's a slog to actually get to sixty five thousand words, but I am going to attempt to uh, have a conversation about the things that we as men have also believe that were not true that kept us from living fully into who we could potentially be in the world. Uh, it comes out March of 2020. Uh, she has uh, the next of her nonfiction books coming out in 2021, which is called Girl, What the Health, uh, which is a conversation <laughs> about, uh, as you might imagine, health and just like the, the, uh, the connection between how you feel and uh, the things that you do. Um, we have 
a pretty ambitious plan for scaling our events. The, there are uh, currently two events announced in 2019. There's one in Minneapolis in June and one that uh, will have tickets going on sale in just a minute in uh, Dallas in July. But we have uh, more events planned for this year and a big slate of events planned for 2020. Uh, we're going to roll out some more products. Uh, we're going to introduce some other content in new mediums that we have not worked in yet, but cannot yet talk about. So uh, truly, uh, the hope is that if we can take what has worked on smaller scales in each of these different industries and find ways to amplify the message or have broader reach to an audience that hopefully is as interested in hearing and then using the tools that are provided, that we can have more impact. I love it. All right, last few questions, Dave. Is uh, besides your uh, your wife's books because that, that wouldn't be fair because you just say your wife's books, right? Because they're awesome. But yeah. <laughs> what what's uh, what's what's your favorite? What's your go to book? Well, I I can tell you, I'm currently reading Principles by Ray Dalio. Oh, it's great a great book. book. Great book. Uh, Mindset. Two by, books, really. Yeah. Right. Uh, Mindset by Carol Dweck is one that I always am uh, an advocate of because of having been a person that was a fixed mindset person and uh, now as a growth mindset oriented person feels liberated and available for all of the things because of that shift. Uh, High Performance Habits by Brendan Burchard is a great book, uh, especially for people who are looking for like what are the habits that I could adopt that would really take me to a next level. Um, God, good to great. There's uh, anyway, th- I think that's, those are, those, those are, are the tops, a, a, yep. at least a good start. I like it. And bucket list. What's next on your and Rachel and the family's bucket list. What are you guys doing? Any cool trips, any cool experiences coming up? <laughs> we just, we just came out of, uh, we like to say we take a, a trip each year and we take a vacation each year. We just had our trip because, our kids were with us. They are good people, uh, but traveling. <laughs> but it's not vacation. But it's not vacation. Uh, traveling with a, a 22-month-old human who's cute as can be, but a total monster. Uh, I'm going to be the guy that complains about having just taken a vacation. Uh, it's just not as relaxing. So we we had the family experience, had all the fun, got to see a ton of family, and then uh, had a little bit of time by a beach. Great stuff in January. But uh, Rachel and I have a trip planned here we have our 15th wedding anniversary happening in May. So we're going to be nice. taking uh, a trip to Puerto Rico. Very excited nice. about that. Yeah. We'll enjoy that. Well, Thank maybe you see Jimmy Fallon in the cast of Hamilton that's down there or whatever they right? were doing this week. Huh? That's pretty cool. It's crazy. Well, man, where can we find more of Dave Hollis? You guys are an awesome, awesome uh, follow on Instagram and all the other places. But uh, give our listeners, what's your, what's your handles there? Where can we find you? Right on. Uh, on Instagram, I'm Mr. Dave Hollis. My wife is Ms. MS Rachel Hollis. On Facebook, we are Dave Hollis and Rachel Hollis. Uh, and if you have any questions about any of the tools that we are creating, we have a website called thehollisco.com where you can learn more about the events that we throw, the books that we write, the merchandise that is available, or the podcasts that we uh, ultimately have happening. Um, if you like podcasts like this one, you may in fact like the Rise podcast that Rachel has on Tuesdays or the Rise Together podcast that we have on Thursdays. They're both available everywhere you hear podcasts. I love the fact that you got four kids and we're just crazy busy, but still pushing out all this stuff, right? Fun gotta stuff. Gotta do it. Gotta, gotta do, do it. it. 
Well, Dave, it's been awesome having you on the Circuit of Success, my friend. It's uh, You guys are making a huge impact out there, and i uh, just inspired every day by what you guys do. So keep up the good work. Thanks, Brett. I really appreciate it. Thanks to everybody that's listening. Hopefully you got something good out of this, and uh, you get to choose whether you're going to have a good day or a bad day. You might as well choose to have a good one. Take care. You know, each week we come and we have a we have a goal. Our goal for you is to to take a nugget, to take something every single week. Uh, when we dive into the person's life, you know, they talk about the roads they've traveled. They talk about their struggles. They talk about some of their victories. You know, how have they done what they've done to become successful? So tune in each week on Sundays from 4 to 5 p.m. We look forward to spending each and every week with you. If you want more about our firm, Visionary Wealth Advisors, please find us online at visionarywealthadvisors.com or you can go to the show's website, circuitofsuccess.com. We're also on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, we're there. Come find us. We're easy to find. And uh, we'll be back next week with another great guest on the Circuit of Success. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 